You're listening to Syntax, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats out there. Strap yourself in and get ready. Here is Scott Talinsky and Wes Boss. Hello, everybody, and thanks for checking out Syntax. This is the podcast where we deliver tasty treats every week, and this week we are going to be... Uh, doing some super tasty treats. We're going to be answering a bunch of listener questions. We get all kinds of questions via the uh, the form that we have uh, via Twitter, via DM, all over the place. So I sort of compile those, and every now and then uh, we will rattle through a bunch of listener questions. And I, I like this because there's um, there's something for everyone in this kind of episode. And it will it really allows us to to touch on some of these topics, which are much smaller. Maybe it's just five, 10 minutes to us to talk about rather than a a massive episode. So with me, as always, is Scott Talinsky. How are you doing today, Scott? Hey, I'm doing super good. I think we need to come up with a a catchy, fun name for these kind of episodes. Like, you know, mailbag isn't appropriate because it needs to be tasty treats related. Tasty. So, um... I, I was trying to like come bo- up with something off the top of my head, and I was just like not. borrowing an egg from a neighbor, or like making cookies for <laughs> I was the neighbor, like, yeah, Girl or Scout cookies, or bake sale. Oh, bake sale! Ooh, potluck. Bake sale, be potluck. good. Pot- oh, potluck. Everyone's that's bringing perfect. their own potluck. stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. That's collaboration. That's a potluck right episode. There, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, welcome to the in action. <laughs> welcome to the potluck episode. That's actually how. Scott and I do almost everything with this podcast is just kind of riffing on it. I remember when we first did the the name for the podcast that we had so many stupid ideas and then syntax just popped out of nowhere. Yeah, we had a lot of stupid names. We should we should actually at some point just go through and rattle off all of the crappy names we came up with for this show. Yeah. That'd be a good little segment there. Oh, it's brutal. Anyways, today we are sponsored by Fluent Conf, which is an awesome web development conference, and uh, Deploy HQ, which uh, does sort of deployment straight from your Git repository. And we'll talk a little bit more about them partway through the show. So why don't we uh, we dive into it? You want to pick off the first question? We've got a whole bunch here, and we're just going to sort of get through as many as we possibly can. Um, and then if you have your own question, we'll put the link link to the form in the show notes um, and go ahead and submit your your question right now. So why don't you uh, rip one off there, Scott, and we'll, we'll try to tackle it. Yes. Okay. So the first one, uh, this one is, what are your thoughts on Vue.js? Uh, I feel like I'm appropriate or I, it's appropriate for me to answer this one because I just did a series on Vue.js after working in React yeah. so long. Uh, so the full question is, uh, is by Luis Hernandez. What do you think or what are your thoughts on Vue.js? I've recently seen a bunch of hype about it. It and actually looks pretty good, but would like to hear your thoughts. Uh, my thoughts are, uh, I found it to be nice to work in. I I enjoyed working in it. Uh, I was surprised at how much stuff Vue did for you. For me, I, I came from Angular before React, so a lot of the concepts are very Angular-y, or at least Angular yeah. 1-y, and they're also very reacty in a way. And uh, so because of that, it was sort of a nice hybrid of some of these ideas, you're passing props, uh, but there's still a lot of, in my opinion, like magical stuff, stuff that you're sort of wondering, where is this coming from? It's not nearly as explicit as React. I, I found sometimes being a little like, is this going to work? Okay, this worked. Uh, okay, um, why, why is this working? <laughs> but like, uh, only because things weren't as explicit and that, but it, it's one of those things that I think that if you were working in Vue all the time, you knew exactly where everything was coming from and you were very, very comfortable and familiar with it. 
it would be really nice because you have to do a lot less work to get things going. So in my opinion, Vue uh, is pretty sweet. I think it's a, a, a wonderful, another flavor of web framework to have out there. It offers you a lot of options and a, a lot of ease into development that things like React aren't doing for you. The Vue CLI was great. It's a great uh, uh, sort of uh, like create React app kind of system. So I found the Vue CLI, the, the latest one, to be excellent. Uh, all around the ecosystem, the docs, they were all great. The community was great. If I had issues, I went to the Discord channel, talked to a bunch of people. So there's definitely a lot of things to like about Vue. That said, I'm not going to jump out and rewrite my whole site in Vue right now because I, I don't see that much of a, a reason to jump, you know, from React to Vue. I, I still love working in React. So if I was working on a new project, might I consider Vue? Yeah, I'd definitely consider it. Uh, but I'm not exactly about to uh, change my current trajectory and what I'm working on for it. Yeah, I, I think sometimes people ask me all the time, like, what are the differences and which one is better? And there is really no answer to that. Uh, they're all very good at what they do. They all have their pros and cons. And uh, we'll do a whole view episode once I actually get myself learning and, and building some stuff in view. Uh, but it, I would definitely not say that it's hype because it's it's definitely one of the frameworks now, I would say. And, yeah. Um, people absolutely love it. People are betting on it with their businesses. So uh, I would definitely consider it if you were looking at different frameworks. And I, also this uh, Vue Press came out the other day. Did you see this? Static site generator for Vue. And it's built it's by, by Evan Yu. Yeah. The, yeah, the the lead dev behind Vue. I only so saw that it came out. I didn't, nifty. I didn't dive too much into it. Uh, I would like to dive into it more because there is what view is a Vue X or Nuxt or yeah, Vue X Nuxt. is the sorry, yeah. the Redux. Uh, yeah, Nuxt. Ooh, yeah, I haven't used that one either. Pretty yet. nifty. Cool. So we'll uh, well again, we'll have another episode on that at some point. People ask for it every single day, but I just need a couple days to to build an app myself in it. And and right now I'm pretty heads down on my course, so oh, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Next one, kind of on the, along the same lines, is have you ever used TypeScript or Flow? Um, which do you prefer? Uh, so I'll, I'll start off on this one, and we can see what Scott's things are. So um, first of all, let's explain what TypeScript and Flow are. Um, so JavaScript is what's called a loosely typed language. And uh, what that means is that if you have like a function, and uh, you either want to accept arguments into it or you want to return some values from it, uh, you can just do whatever the hell you want. You can you can accept a number or a string or a Boolean or an object, and uh, it will always work, and you can convert these from one to another and, and without really... Um, without really much problem, right? And uh, because JavaScript is so loose, it's it's kind of nice because you can just like get up and running with it without uh, having to know a whole lot of stuff. However, there's a huge um, downside to that, which is uh, you're, it can get really messy. You don't know if you need to pass in a value. You don't need, know if you need to pass in a string or an object or a number or uh, what you should be returning or, or any of this stuff. And then also um, along the same lines, the, the tooling with this stuff is uh, really great around things like TypeScript and uh, Flow because then you get this really nice sort of like um, IntelliSense in your editor where if you type a function, it will tell you exactly what you need to pass it, what type you need to pass it, a little description along with it. So um, I haven't built anything significant in TypeScript or Flow myself. However, uh, doing GraphQL over the last couple 
I think months over the last couple of months, I've definitely seen the value of having a very rigid uh, typed uh, language because because um, GraphQL itself is is typed like that, right? Um, and once you get over the hump of how rigid it is, you you start to say, "Ooh, this is nice." I definitely see why people vastly prefer this over just JavaScript. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't used it myself either because I, I end up like modifying my my code base so much. I, I feel like I'm treading water instead of adding new features. So that's one of those things that like it would require a lot of work to put into place right now, and I, I just really need to uh, well have time to do that. Uh, but personally, I think I would I would definitely try out TypeScript or Flow on any other project or e- even Reason. I think for me, one of the things I wanted to wait and see which one is going to come out on top. I don't know if there is going to be one that comes out on top. But, you know, Flow is uh, made by Facebook and uh, TypeScript has a lot of support from a whole bunch of different companies, uh, including Microsoft. And, uh, you know, it's used in Angular and all sorts of stuff. So it's tough to say reasons gaining some steam in the React community as being a new option. I I really want to see, like before I invest a lot of time in picking one of these, I want to see which one is is the de facto winner. I don't know if we'll, we'll get that, though. Yeah, and um, we should also say that uh, Flow is mostly just um, comments, and it's a little bit of a modification to the actual language, whereas uh, TypeScript is an entirely separate language. It mm-hmm. sort of encapsulates JavaScript and ES6 and everything that we got, but then also adds a whole bunch of stuff uh, on top of it. So uh, I would definitely check it out. Um, it is a barrier to entry. Uh, one of the reasons why I don't necessarily reach for it immediately is because I do teach. Yeah. And if I were to immediately start to do everything in TypeScript, um, well, a lot of people have asked for TypeScript classes, uh, then that's a huge barrier to entry for a lot of people who don't necessarily uh, want to do. And, and generally what happens is that people that already know TypeScript will just do my tutorials in TypeScript because they know enough to be able to say, okay, the equivalent in TypeScript is X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah, because the moment you make it the TypeScript uh, React tutorial, you're losing that chunk of your audience that isn't interested in TypeScript or interested in Flow or Reason or whatever. Um, okay, cool. So yeah. the next item in the potluck uh, is brought to us by Jazz. <laughs> He, he brought this in wrapped in cellophane on a paper plate here. And uh, this is <laughs> what is your biggest or what was your biggest breakthrough advancement in learning JavaScript and web development? A project, a study, um, or not a study, but study. Uh, so, okay, what was your biggest breakthrough? Uh, for me, I think my biggest breakthrough was really just diving into frameworks overall, whether it was Ember, Angular, Backbone, those were the first three that I dove into. For me, that took JavaScript out of a land of, hey, I need to have a slideshow. Let me drop this jQuery in here, or I need to have this event happen when I click this button. Let me drop a little line of JavaScript in here to something that was much larger than that and much more, uh, this is a full-on application and it's so much more interactive and I'm working with database calls because previously before working in that kind of thing, I was all, uh, you know, CMS backend. I was interacting with the database. It was primarily through some sort of PHP system. So for me, my biggest advancement was the moment that the JavaScript framework sort of came into a more mature state and started being a lot more used and you're suddenly building full on applications with JavaScript itself. So that to me was a big, wow, super cool moment. Yeah, I think for me, it was um, I had built 
a I was I was sort of learning Express and Passport JS and that whole stack that where you build a, a backend based app. Um, and I had taken on a project to build sort of a, a contest on Facebook. So the, the way it worked is that um, Facebook apps, I don't know if they're still this way, but Facebook apps used to just be an iframe that you pop into Facebook um, and they send along some authentication headers and whatnot. So uh, what I had to do is I built this express app where uh, it would log in with Facebook. People would be able to upload a photo and attach that to their Facebook ID, um, and then people will be able to to vote on those uh, different photos. And there was a whole bunch. It was like basically a contest where people would upload photos of various spots around Canada, and and people would vote. And then at a certain point. Uh, somebody would win. So uh, that was huge for me because uh, at the time I had been doing primarily WordPress websites and uh, jQuery websites and being able to switch over to actually building something significant in Express, um, it really pushed me and it, it really opened my eyes to how all of this other stuff worked. I remember like kind of weighing like, should I try to hack this together in WordPress or should I build this custom thing in um totally in JavaScript and Express. And I decided to go um, custom because one of the things they needed, which is really funny, was the ability to, to detect nudity because uh, people <laughs> could uh, could uh, upload. There was no moderation process in there. So uh, it was hilarious. I got to use this library called nude.js and it would, it would detect if there's nudity based on skin tones and stuff like that. I think it was very long ago, maybe five or six, seven years ago. Uh, that I did this. There's much better stuff out there now with machine learning to, to actually. Do. I remember uploading a photo of toast, and it thought toast was nude because it was <laughs> so much the like the, the skin tone. Um, so that's what it did. And I remember that just like really grew my uh, grew my skill set, and then from there I built uh, I don't know maybe four or five other medium-sized express apps that had authentication and logging in and uploading photos and and all of that stuff and uh, that that really pushed my skill set past the sort of jQuery uh, where I currently was not that, that was before frameworks had had even sort of surfaced yeah cool yeah see for when when node was first starting to be a thing for me I didn't necessarily uh, I didn't necessarily get it I mean I got what node did but I I didn't I didn't dive in because I, I was doing CMS-based sites. And for me to have to to go through and, and do a whole, uh, I guess Express was like still infancy or whatever, so to have to write your own HTTP server and get all that stuff going, I just remember being like, yeah, but it's easy to install WordPress. Like, uh, yeah. So I didn't jump on it, I, I, I think, in that same regard as you did. So yeah, super cool. Uh, I talked about this before, but I remember watching on YouTube the introduction to Node and not totally understanding what it was, but I could feel that it was like going to be something big. And uh, I'm super glad that I, I sort of bet the farm because at the time, everybody was learning Rails and I thought, should should I be learning Rails? Um, but JavaScript was, was a good solution there too. Yeah, I, we went to a, uh, me and the uh, co-creator of Level Up Tutorials, Ben Jeff, we went to a code meetup and yeah. it took maybe like 45 minutes for them to get the entire room up with like a hello world because it was like right when it came out. And I just remember being like, this is a lot of effort. Like, <laughs> This is a lot of effort. Uh, but I also think it was probably just because there's a lot of people infancy. Nobody really knew what was going on. Uh, but, you know, now now today's that that whole thing would be very different. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting because there still is no real 
rails of JavaScript, you know, like, you know, how rails is like everything baked in or Laravel and PHP has this, like everything sort of baked in and you can just get up and running. And there are some things out there, but it it seems to be that the JavaScript community is just like, no, I, I like my small packages and I'll stitch them together. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed using rails, but again, I do, I do sort of like the way the node community has moved. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I agree. Let's take a quick break and talk about our sponsor, which is Deploy HQ. This is actually pretty nifty because people ask me all the time, how do you get your websites deployed to your actual server? Because you often have your website, you've got some sort of Git repo or, or any other version control repo, and then you've got a server that you need to deploy it to. So uh, what Deploy HQ will do is allow you to Um, either just watch your Git repo and whenever you push something to, let's say a lot lot of people will watch their master branch and, and when a commit lands in the master branch, that will automatically deploy to your your server. So what this will do is either via FTP or SSH, it's going to take your Git repo or any other repo that you have and deploy that thing directly to your server so that you're always running uh, the most recent code in there. You can write custom commands to do build. So if you have like a build step in between pushing to your master repo and then uh, compiling a whole bunch of assets or, or building your application, you can push it in there. They've got guides for for React and and Vue and all these all the kinds of guides that you should really be checking out. Um, they have the ability to deploy to multiple environments. So if you have a staging and a production server, sometimes you need to get it okayed by management before you actually deploy to production. That's a something good to have there. Um, automatic deployments. So it's going to watch your Git repo, and as soon as you do that, it's automatically going to kick off the build process and deploy it right there. Um, You can set up post commands to, if you want to have like a big button in your office that says deploy, I bet you could build a sweet little Arduino thing for that. Uh, What else do they got here? You can schedule deployments to to deploy at a specific time. Maybe you want it to deploy uh, not on a Friday afternoon, like I've done before and had everything coming crashing down. Um, pretty nifty little thing. Uh, pricing is very reasonable. I'm just checking it out here. It's $9.50 a month for up to 10 projects, unlimited deployments, unlimited user. I like that unlimited deployments before because uh, you you shouldn't be penalized if you do five or six commits within an hour and it kicks off five or six builds. Uh, you should be able to do as many as you want for your 10 projects. Um, so it looks like it's about $9.50 a month US, but if you are a Syntax listener, which you are, go to deployhq.com forward slash Syntax. And what that's going to do is it's going to give you 50% off your first six months, which is pretty sweet. They also have a free 10 day trial and it's it's not one of those uh, scammy trials where they they pull the rug out from under you and ask for your credit card. No credit card required. Just give it a uh, a 10 day trial to see how you like it and then get 50% off. Um, also, this is pretty nifty. I'm going to grab one of these before anyone else does. The first 25 listeners get a uh, who successfully deploy a project are going to get a free Deploy HQ mug or T-shirt. So uh, I'm going to do mine right now. And there's 24 left after this. Uh, so go ahead and check it out at DeployHQ.com forward slash syntax. And thanks so much to Deploy HQ for sponsoring. Yeah, I love stuff like this because working like you're coding your 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 heads in your code and it works locally you just sort of expect it to go up to production and be okay but like who loves spending that time it, it once you're 
once your deploy process is like really excellent, it's such a joy to just be able to deploy something like easily and confidently and know that you don't have to worry about it. That, that to me is such a, a big thing that it's like a life improvement in your your whole flow of everything. Yeah, just let me deploy. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes you hear about these companies that are like they deploy once a month or something like that. And then it's, it's almost scary, right? And yeah. if you deploy early, deploy often uh, and you have a, a process in here, it's going to be super simple. So they also have a 10 day free trial. I should have mentioned that as well. Um, it's not one of those things where they're going to ask for your credit card and wink, wink, it's 10 day for trial. You can uh, uh, just go ahead and uh, grab that. Oh, oh their sign up process is really cool. They have a link to your gmail.com right after you sign up. That's that's smart. Sick. Wicked. So Sick. check it out. All right, let's grab another question here. Um, any tips? This one's from Critter. <laughs> I don't know if that's your own name or not. Any tips? Tools, tricks for motivation or avoiding procrastination. So uh, I'm a I'm a big procrastinator and a big proponent of uh, <laughs> of getting a lot done. And I, I know this in myself because when there's something that I don't want to do, I will just start watching YouTube videos or or just push off all of the actual work that I have to do because of that one thing that I don't really feel like doing. So um, what I found with myself, and I, this is sort of the process that I go through, is uh, I do a brain dump into my things. And we've talked about this before in our productivity episode, which is I, I follow the sort of the getting things done methodology where you do a brain dump into your app and then you can sort by project. Um, and then I take it one step further where I wake up in the morning and if if I, if I know it's a day where I have to do a lot of little things, like I know that I have to fix this piece on my website, there's a broken image on this site, um, there's an issue with my player that I need to fix. There's like a lot of like little stuff that I've been sort of putting off for a while. I'll dedicate a day to just doing little stuff like that. Um, and then I'll sort those tasks by the amount of anxiety that it gives me, meaning that like, oh, I don't feel like doing that or I don't want to reply to that email or uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to solve that problem. I'll do that first because uh, as soon as you can, you force yourself to get through those sort of tougher parts, those those pieces that are pushing you away from doing your actual work, you get through those as fast as you can. Then all of a sudden you, you start to get on a roll and then the work gets easier and easier as you go through. So uh, sort your list by amount of anxiety, which I, I think is funny because have you ever used the website Hitmonk to book a flight? I haven't, but I've seen their they have little a, Chipmunk logo. Yeah, they have like, the, you can search for flights on different uh, carriers and whatnot. And they, they sort by, anx or not anxiety, they sort by pain, pain. Uh, meaning that uh, they don't, they have like this algorithm by based on like how many layovers and and how how short oh, the nice. flight is and if it has Wi-Fi or not and that will give you a pain score uh, and then they can sort by pain which is exactly uh, what you want to do so that's that's my tip there is sort by anxiety get the hard stuff done out of the way and that will open you up for a productive day nice I love those tips and it's gonna actually coincide with my sick pick today so I'll give a little teaser of my sick pick today which is a book called Eat That Frog. Uh, which is uh, basically that system of doing the stuff you dread sort of first because those are your frogs for the day. Actually, one of the <laughs> things that I, I love about Todoist, which is my favorite to-do application, is that they, yeah. in one of their most recent updates, I don't know when this was, they, they started sorting automatically by your priorities. So they have up to four levels of priority. So now when I give something a P1, it automatically moves it to the top of today's uh, things. 
So instead of me having to sort them manually or whatever, I just add P1, P2, P3, whatever, uh, and it gives them a, a more red severity color. And then therefore ah. I'm like looking at it and I can see it automatically sorts my things top to bottom of the stuff I got to get done the most of the stuff I got to get done the least. And I just go through and I don't even think about it. And I don't even say, I don't want to do that. I say, Hey, you're the top thing on the list. You're bright red. You're staring at me. <laughs> I got to do this or else I'm going to be upset with myself. So I usually uh, go through and, and first thing I do each day is to do list, make a big old to do list, mark everything as P one through P four I can adjust it over the course of the day, but typically I, I like to have a pretty good idea what I'm doing for the day. If I don't have that list, I end up just sort of meandering around in my own brain and not getting too much accomplished. So for me, procrastination tips are make that list uh, and eat that frog. I'll talk a little bit more about eat that frog in the uh, sick picks part of the show. Uh, favorite book of mine. That's wicked. And if you're interested more in these whole productivities, um, we episode 11 of syntax back in September, we recorded our favorite productivity hacks and uh, we were more focused on um, tools and, and tooling around in apps that you can use uh, as well as we touch on some methodologies such as uh, getting things done. So if you're interested in that, check out that episode. Yeah. Super cool. Okay. So let's get a, another uh, potluck item here. Uh, what are your, okay. This question comes from Artem. Um, what are your thoughts on the new age of CMS flat file or headless versus database driven uh, versus some other core, some blue sky dream CMS? Basically, what are our thoughts on the CMS platform or landscape right now as we see it, where we have things like flat file, markdown file, CMSs. We also have database driven ones, as well as maybe some potentially cool other stuff, which there are some potentially cool other stuff. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, I think uh, some of it's pretty, pretty cool, but it requires a certain level of technical know-how. Like I could see a markdown file driven uh, CMS being very popular for developers or people who are familiar with code. But like, I'm not going to tell a client who's never, you know, who's only used Microsoft Word to use a markdown file as their database or a CMS. I'm just not going to do that. I don't think they're going to get it. I don't think they're going to have a good time. And I don't think they're going to have a good experience with me as their developer. If I'm saying, hey, you got to come in and mar edit these files. It, yeah. it might be a little bit different with something like Netlify CMS, but at the end of the day, you're still requiring some build time. So they're not going to see that instant feedback where when they save a file, it's automatically updated for them. Like in WordPress, you save it, you go to the page and it's there. But with Netlify yeah. CMS and Gatsby or something like that, you save it. And then it has to rebuild with the new markdown file. And that maybe takes a second. It's not as instantaneous. I, I think it's a great system and I really like it. I just don't know how I feel about it for um, non-technical clients. That said, the headless CMS landscape is pretty sick right now. Uh, it gives me a, an opportunity to announce and plug my new pro series coming this month, which is going to be Modern WordPress, where we're going to be doing all headless WordPress, uh, both with Next.js as well as Gatsby. So I'm going to take two different front-end approaches on it. It's all going to be server-side rendered or statically rendered stuff. I have been pretty pretty dang psyched with how effortless it's gotten lately. For a little while, there were so many like, I don't know what to do here or here or here. There's too many questions up in the air. And I think lately, the headless WordPress game has really gotten a lot more, uh, this is how to do things and this is the way. So I, I'm pretty excited about it. 
That said, I haven't built any major client sites in it yet. And I have an opportunity to build a WordPress that I just got a, a WordPress freelance client. And who knows? Uh, I have this opportunity. It's got to be WordPress. So, hey, I'm going to make a, a judgment and do some headless WordPress on this one and get back to you a little bit more on uh, on how awesome that is. Uh, before uh, Wes jumps in here, I think one last thing, Blue Sky. Uh, what are these, these other things that are... Or, or could exist. And this one CMS is a pretty cool thing. One, uh, it's called Graph CMS. It's a GraphQL based CMS that is a uh, host. I believe they have an open source version of this thing. It's all GraphQL based and the interface is fantastic. It looks like WordPress if it was designed today in that manner. It's like really modern looking. Uh, and the, the guys behind Graph CMS are really cool. So uh, Graph CMS is one of those ones that I really want to use, really want to try. Uh, on a bigger project that I just haven't gotten to yet. So uh, that that's sort of one of my thoughts on the landscape here. A lot of really exciting stuff happening. That's pretty cool. You're on the homepage of this website. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. I talk to these guys all the time. In fact, I'm going to do a, uh, a Graph CMS tutorial series for them, but they were working on some some big updates. So uh, uh, waiting for those to come through. Holding off pipeline. on that. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty nifty. Yeah, so I, I am also pretty invested in this whole headless uh, CMS right now because my own website badly needs a redesign. Um, my The code that's running on westboss.com was originally built in 2011, and it's sort of been tweaked and fudged over the years. I built it in less, um, and uh, there's just there's a, a bunch of little bugs here and there that I'd like to move. However, like... Um, I'm not for sure not interested in, in moving away from WordPress because, uh, I've got so much, so many blog posts. I have every single talk I've ever done is stored in a custom post type with custom fields, um, and have all of this content in there. And, and also I really like it. So like, I know a lot of people like to, to, I don't, I don't totally get why WordPress gets such a bad rap. Um, like I mentioned like, Oh, I'm going to redo my website uh, I'm sticking with WordPress, but I'm going to likely do like a React front end uh, with something like Gatsby or Next, or I'm, st I'm still looking at a couple of the different options that are out there. And, and I got like 7,000 people who were recommending alternative CMSs, which these things look amazing, like Graph CMS. And there was, there was like three or four other ones. I forget the names of them. Um, and they look amazing, but um, I'm, I, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, my assistant does a lot of updating in it. So um, I think you definitely need a CMS with that's easy to update, like Scott was saying. A client is not going to to log into GitHub and update markdown files and and wait for that whole thing to build. And and also in a lot of cases you lose the sort of um, dynamic pieces of the website. I know that you can run JavaScript on the client side and dynamically render based on that. But uh, like for my talks, they automatically archive themselves when the date has passed. And if that was a static site generator and I'm statically generating my my talk page, then I'd have to come up with some sort of uh, regeneration. Yeah, like webhook. Webhook yeah. that would ping at a certain point and um, like I get I get the whole hype around static site generators and we did a whole webs a whole episode on them and, and the benefits of it, but it's it's definitely not a good use case for absolutely everything, especially when you have clients and, and other people at stake other than your idealistic developer <laughs> yeah. uh, standpoint behind these things. So uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I definitely think that the way forward is headless something uh, and then a front end in 
React, Angular, Vue, whatever it is. Um, I think uh, the space is starting to, to firm up um, around things like Next, ViewPress, Gatsby. Um, it's not totally there just yet. There's a there's a bunch of people that are. It, it's not as nearly as easy as just like slapping a WordPress theme on and 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 going for it, where all the queries are done for you. There's there's a lot of like like um, in Gatsby, I needed to wait like ten minutes for it to pull down all my blog posts, and then there was an error in my GraphQL query, and then the whole thing broke. So I had to like change the query, wait ten minutes, then it broke again, and then I just gave up because uh, that whole developer experience is not as good as it can be just yet. Um, I know that they're they're working hard on it. Uh, so that's pretty interesting space. I would definitely be watching it. And if I was a like a uh, a web developer, like a, if you're if your bread and butter right now is WordPress, I would definitely be doubling down on your Angular view React skills right now because that's I think that's the way that it's going. It's sort of this separation of concerns front end back end. Yeah. I've been really impressed with the system uh, that we're using in the modern WordPress course for my my new course here, so I'm pretty psyched to. Uh, What's it called? Uh, it's the blah blah blah. Um, putting me on the headless, spot here. It's a headless, headless WordPress. WP starter. Yeah, that one, which is from uh, Postlight. Which uh, it's do you awesome. remember Light, Life Hacker? Yes, I remember Life Gina, Hacker. Gina Gina Trapani. Okay. Trapan- yeah, she uh, she tweeted at me, and I was a little bit starstruck because. I had grown up reading yeah, Life Hacker yeah. and listening to her on podcasts and whatnot. And it's pretty cool that she's she's Devin behind all that stuff. And so it, it does it does the thing that um, is most needed in this space, and it's unifying a lot of things and making it easy. Which before mm-hmm. it's sort of like, where do I go for this? What do I do for this? What do I do for this? And this sort of like aligns all of the stars. So I have been yeah. extremely impressed. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping it's going to start settling down because there's there's nothing better than having a nine year old WordPress site and it, as long as you keep it up to date, it just works, right? Like I I tweeted the other day, I YOLO updated 19 plugins on my own site and it didn't do anything. Uh, it worked fine. Whereas you wait a week in in JavaScript land and that thing is all of a sudden broken and best practices have changed and. Uh, I also don't really want to babysit something that much because I don't want to spend that much time on my own my own site. So it's kind of interesting to look at. Yeah, totally. Cool. Well, thank you, Artem, for that one. Artem. All right, let's pick up another one here. Um, let's talk. A, let's do a business one. Business. Hashtag business. Uh, how can I start selling and making courses like you guys? I love teaching stuff to people. I've taught. Uh, in a few local meetups, um, and then there's another question. We'll talk about that later. That's that has nothing to do with this one. So, um, how do you start doing what we do? Um, I think it's it's just putting yourself out there um, in in helping people. So, I think like if you look at both Scott and I, you can listen to our origin stories on on previous podcasts. But both Scott and I both started out. Um, I started out doing blogs and YouTube videos and teaching uh, at uh, Ladies Learning Code, which is like this not-for-profit on weekends. Uh, And all three of those things that I did, I found out that I really liked it. I really found the way that I like to explain things. Um, And it sounds like uh, this is from Aravind. Um, It sounds like he's teaching in a few local meetups as well. Um, That's a fantastic first start, but you really just got to start putting yourself out there, whether it's making YouTube videos, blogging, writing books, uh, you kind of find find your medium and and find your people. 
and then from there, once people start to to really enjoy your stuff, once people start to uh, enjoy the way that you explain them, once you find your tribe, so to say, uh, then then they start asking for more stuff and uh, they start asking for uh, you to teach them X, Y, and Z. And at that point, you can start to uh, put together a course based on uh, what people are asking for. Yeah, I think a lot of it too is is starting without the expectation that people are going to be interested right away. Nobody knows who you are. Or they, they're not familiar with your work and you might not want them to be when you first start trying to, to, to get into this anyway. So for me personally, I would just say, get going, start recording a bunch of stuff, get a decent microphone, listen to our episode on screencasting because that gives you a lot of tips and tricks there. But uh, get get going and just start making a bunch of stuff because you're never going to find out what you're bad at in this until you start uploading and people on YouTube start telling you what you're bad at. And at that point, you can start tweaking and fixing it, you know, not taking it personally and, and using that to progress. So I definitely say just go for it and uh, get some stuff pen to paper and uh, voice to record or tape or whatever you would say here. Uh, and just just go for it. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. I I, I have one it. more tip I, I probably have is um, like you obviously need you need an audience for this to work. Um, you need a, a group of a couple thousand developers who love what you do uh, and and you can make a living off of having. Uh, I, I would say you can probably make a living off of having 20, 10, 20,000 people uh, watching the stuff that you do and, and really enjoying it. So uh, building that audience and then also um, figuring out how you can actually reach that audience. So uh, I have multiple touch points through the audience. Twitter is a big one for me. Email is by far the biggest one for me. Um, this podcast is another one. YouTube videos are another one. Uh, Facebook is another one. Making sure that you have all these different touch points because uh, when you have something to say and when you have something to sell with people, uh, you should be able to contact them fairly easily. Yeah, good tips. I mean, we got to do, we have a several episodes on our to-do list about business stuff. Um, yeah, if you want to hear more business stuff, um, Scott and I will put on our suits and uh, just tweet us or or fill out this form with your specific business questions because I love talking about this kind of stuff. We should actually wear suits when we do that episode. I just got a new one. I went to a wedding this weekend, Ooh. so watch out. Nice. Let's take a break here for our next sponsor, which is the Fluent Conference in San Jose, California. So uh, Fluent is a conference put on by O'Reilly. You know O'Reilly. They have the... Uh, the books with the animals on the front, they teach you everything about uh, everything. I think they, they cover absolutely every programming topic. But uh, Fluent is a uh, web development conference, uh, and it covers all the topics from JavaScript, CSS, security, um, everything you need to know for becoming a better web developer. And uh, this is a absolutely massive conference. Let me I'm going to go to the speakers page here and, and take a look at <laughs> There's probably... Uh, 40 different speakers uh, that are speaking at this thing. They have multiple tracks. Um, they have multiple days. They have uh, training in uh, the days before. June 11 to 12 is training. And June 12 to 14 is the tutorials and the conference. So um, if you are looking to uh, both like reignite that spark, like you want to get motivated and, and, and 
toss yourself into different pieces of web development, um, as well as really just like find some of the titans of our industry and suck all of the knowledge out of their brains into yours. This is a fantastic spot for you to go uh, and start to learn new things. I'm just looking at the the speaker list here, and there's all kinds of uh, amazing people who are going to be speaking at this sort of thing. And and not to mention like. Uh, even just the, the amount of people that you can meet, like some of the best relationships that I have right now are through meeting people at conferences and, and uh, some of the best things I've ever learned and, and being able to reach out to people for help is because I've, I've met them at a conference before and, and you, you've developed and foster those relationships. So uh, check out uh, fluent conference and use the code syntax to get 20% off on your tickets. Awesome. Super cool. Wicked. All right. Next one. Um, I'm going to hit one that is uh, just addressed to me here. Yeah. Highlighted here so I can take that. Uh, this one uh, This one comes from Franz. Or no, there's no N there. Fraz. 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 Uh, sorry about that. I <laughs> sincerely apologize for butchering your name <laughs> there. Um, this question is, uh, how did you two gain renown in the developer engineering space? Wes has mentioned he blogged early on his career. Scott started level up tutorials uh, on YouTube. I'm curious to know how you went about gaining recognition, expanding your reach in the developer community. Okay, I guess this is, I thought this was just addressed to me. So uh looks like it's addressed to both of us. We can both take a stab at it. Yeah, so uh, gaining renown. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that I did not attempt to gain renown, and that was never a goal of mine. I don't even think I I would say I have renown. I'm, not, I'm on a podcast, and I have a YouTube channel. But, like, I I'm, I don't necessarily think of myself as, like, a, a de- renowned developer. I still look up to a billion developers, right? So, for me, it was all about creating content, uh, content first, uh, I did everything uh, for free on YouTube for years and years and years, just as not even a side gig, because uh, people like to assume you make a ton of money off of YouTube ad revenue. And let me tell you, there is a <laughs> drop like it's, it is a penny. You make nothing on YouTube ad revenue. So, uh, you know, I get comments all the time like, well, Mr. Mr. Moneybags over there with his two million <laughs> views or 20 million views. It's like, no, that that's over the course of, you know, since 2012. And I have made no money off of it. So. Uh, I it, it's all been content first for me and I just want to share this stuff because it's so frustrating to me when you have an issue and you can't find anyone else talking about it but you know other people are experiencing that issue so I like to make these videos and, and sort of share them for that reason primarily the fact that I can now do it as a career is like all plus 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 because that means I get to spend more time doing it and I get to work on my own site and I get to have this sort of freedom but it was never ever about gaining recognition for me not once that's awesome my mind's a bit different um so i had been uh, like i said i blogged early in my career with lots of um lots of topics around javascript and css and, and wordpress um and I, I definitely did see the benefit of uh being well known um not for the, the fact of just f- for being famous or anything because i think that's kind of a silly a silly thing to to go towards but um just because knowing that if you have some sort of audience then your options for a career are much greater like i i remember watching i used to watch um the yay query podcast with Paul Irish on it. And all of a sudden he got a job at Google and I was just like, 
this guy has been blogging, uh, blogging about information about web development, really involved in HTML5 boilerplate, um, very, uh, like very influential in the community for just straight up helping people do better at their job. Uh, and that led to him getting a job at Google or a same thing for Adios Mani. Adios Mani would go to conferences all over the world and, and help people better understand things. And he just broke it down in this way that was just, just really made sense. And, and I we look at people like Chris Coyer and he would just day in, day out blog stuff about CSS that he had learned and wanted to share with other people. And so all three of these people who I, I looked up to, they all were just trying to help people uh, learn web development, right? So I thought like, that's amazing. And they're doing what they love. And and part of the reason behind that is because they're able to amass such a following. So um, I made a, a pointed decision to um, really double down on on Twitter. Posting hot tips is mostly how I've got my, my following on Twitter is just by I don't know. Maybe it's been about five years of hot tips so far, where you it's just a lot, post it's little a lot of hot tips. Right, it's there. a lot of hot tips. I I think I like calculated it once, and it was well over three hundred. How, how many degrees or um, uh, Celsius degrees Celsius is that of hot tips? Oh, is it that's is it well over twelve hundred? Yeah, yeah, well over twelve hundred degrees c- Celsius. So it's pretty spicy. <laughs> but like, I, I just decided, like, okay, if I'm going to make this work, it's going to take years. But I'm going to uh, just keep helping people, keep posting stuff on YouTube, keep blogging, keep posting hot tips on Twitter. And if you do that for for long enough, then it starts to build and, and then it builds and builds and that momentum that you get is, is unbelievable. Like it's brutally slow at first. And then, uh, then it starts to just, the ball starts rolling and rolling and, and then it, it, it gets bigger and bigger, right? Yeah, you bet. So that's the way. So it's a little bit weird to talk about just because like, I don't know what is being renowned in our industry. There's, I, I don't I don't know. There's a lot more, how do I say this? There's a lot smarter people in the industry who who don't have as much of a platform that I do, and I I definitely know that. Uh, there's a lot of people working on much harder problems than me. They're uh, doing much better stuff in the industry, and that's great. But I know that like I'm trying to help people learn stuff, and uh, that's that's what I'm gunning for here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's something uh, to ever. I mean, it, you, you, your platform is being used for good. You know that that's all you got to worry about. Exactly. Cool. Okay. What do we got next? Who who brought something else? The potluck. Um, talk. Let's talk about server side rendering. What is what is it? Pros and cons. Okay. So we've we've talked about this a little bit. Um, it's fresh in my mind because I have been working on the server side rendered aspect of, uh, of my advanced React course coming up. Um, and server side rendering is essentially. You run the JavaScript on the node portion of your web server and render it out to HTML so that when someone visits the website, they immediately get just HTML. Um, and rather than getting a blank page, the JavaScript downloads, and then and then you get the HTML, which is rendered out from your React app or your Vue app or, or whatever it is. So uh, there's that. And then there's this, this whole concept of like rehydration where... 
um, your your client side will pick up where the server side left off. So React is very good at that, where you can do your first render on the server, um, and then React will pick up the HTML from there and then start just re-rendering the pieces that it specifically needs to. So uh, why would you server-side render? Um, it works without JavaScript uh, if you want. Uh, SEO is still a big one for people because even though uh, Google says that they index JavaScript-based websites, I don't believe it. And um, I know that SEO is huge for me. I get 10,000 visits a day on my website, and there's no way I would gamble that with without using server-side rendering. So uh, if I was building a website today, I would definitely, and I am going to be rebuilding mine, I'm going to be server-side rendering it because I don't want to lose any of that Google juice or that, that traffic uh, that comes in. Um, pros and cons, uh, my, my own, uh, pros, it's great it's SEO. Um, it's, it's really fast to do that initial load. You don't get, um, you don't get that flash of white for a split second while the page loads. Um, cons are that it's sometimes difficult to get set up. If you try to do server-side rendering yourself, good luck. Um, it's, it's incredibly difficult because you have to, replicate your entire build process on the server as well. Um, there are things like Next.js, which uh, make it so much easier for you. If you start with Next.js, then everything uh, becomes a lot easier. Uh, that's that's really important there. Um, it's sometimes hard to consider the server when you're building components. So sometimes components will uh call the window or call mm -hmm. local storage or call fetch and all three of those things don't exist on the server so uh, you have to do this whole type of window is undefined uh, to check if it's there in your code um, also one other thing I run into is I'm using JWT which is JSON web tokens and and that um, does my authentication for my users um, and I'm storing, you can store JWT in, in cookies or you can store JWT in, um, in local storage and I'm storing them in local storage. Um, and a downside to that is that that doesn't come along with your initial page request. So you can't do any sort of client side authenticated rendering on the server uh, because the JWT just doesn't come along with it. So uh, what I have to do is as soon as the page loads, I have to refresh the little bits that possibly could change if the user is logged in. Um, so that's a bit of a downside or upside, but it's not a huge deal because once the page is loaded, you never have a page reload for the entire application because it's all push state and, and whatnot. So that's my long little rant on SSR. Um, I think it's definitely worth it. I can't wait for the day that we don't have to care about it. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I echo everything you said exactly. I was Every time I, I was like noting something in my head, oh, I should talk about authentication. I should talk about this. You, you got to it. So <laughs> I think you covered all the bases. I think that was the, one of the biggest things for me is still is dealing with authentication and rehydrating, right? Right. For me, I'm getting like uh, occasionally errors on the front end saying like, hey, uh, in React, this component expected this, but now it's getting this. And specifically because of, well, the authenticated client version when it's rehydrating is now bringing in more views or, or more more HTML. So it definitely isn't as easy as it could be. Uh, I use Meteor for my build tool and Meteor's build tool handles both your, your server and your client. So in that regard, like Next.js, it makes it really easy. You just simply have to write your uh, your 
server side code to say, hey, render this. Um, and it pretty much handles everything for you. You don't have to worry about your build tool and about things talking to each other. I have all my data coming in from GraphQL server side rendered. So uh, I use server side rendering for level up tutorials. I really enjoy it. I wish it was as easy as just flipping a switch. Again, uh, you expect some things to, when you first start using server-side render after building a client-side app to all of a sudden be a little bit more difficult. Like again, like unexpected things where you're calling the window and you forgot that you were doing that. And then it's all of a sudden the server doesn't recognize the window or, or undefined or whatever. So uh, there's definitely things to be aware of, but server-side rendering is getting easier all the time. And I think it's just one of those things that is eventually going to become one of those things you don't even have to think about and worry about. And and, and platforms like Next.js just make that super, super painless. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm a big fan. Use it. Uh, we'll continue to use it. I think there was like an episode where I didn't use it in syntax already, but I like changed it and rewrote rewrote my server-side rendering thing like the day after we recorded that episode. So <laughs> yeah, that's how it always happens. That's the beauty of this podcast, though, is because like we clearly don't know much of what we're talking about. But uh, <laughs> as we sort of riff on it, we either get ideas between each other or uh, people much smarter than us will tweet us and say like, hey, have you checked out X, Y, or Z? That might be a good solution to your problem. So basically, this podcast is just us airing our grievances and, and getting people much smarter than us to help us out for free that's, so that's little little truth. trick that's the <laughs> truth um i got one more quick one before we finish uh there's they're coming in right now all these questions that i tweeted out right before the thing is is yeoman dead um so yeoman is or yeoman is um like what like a generator for for App, boiler all plates. sorts of stuff i actually just used it this weekend so so it's not yeah uh and so like if you want to like start a quick WordPress, there's like a Yelman generator for a WordPress or you want to start a, uh, you know, create React app is like a generator. So it's something like that. Um, and uh, I don't think it's dead. Um, it's not as popular anymore because a lot of tools are trying to replace it. And I just saw the other day on Twitter that um, NPM is getting the ability to do these sort of generated. So you would be able to type, Ooh. I think it's NPM create React app. Interesting. And then it would just like you you push a create react app to to npm and then it will it'll scaffold out that app for you i know yarn already has the ability to do that and it looks like npm is now uh, going to get it so i don't i don't think it's dead um, but uh, it's it's not not as uh, popular as it used to be just because of it's like jquery it's just out of need i don't think it's as popular anymore yeah i used it for creating a i, I created on a saturday or Sunday, I forget which day I created a a snippet library for React and Apollo. Just I was like so tired of of importing mutation and then writing my mutation with the the render prop, and I was just so tired of. I was like, okay, let me go to VS Code and, and check out the uh, snippet library. Oh, there's no snippet libraries. Well, <laughs> I guess I'm making one. Uh, and I was so psyched to find a Yeoman VS Code plugin generator because this uh. thing is awesome. It, it's not. It's like when you load it up, it's like, do you want to make a snippet library? Yes. Okay. And then that's all you have to do. Like I had to do no work to build the snippet library. I didn't have to do a build tool. I didn't have to think about it at all. I just used the Yeoman generator, uh, used the one that said snippet library and it was good to go. But there was like a ton of different templates that you can start out with for VS code extensions. And for me, as someone who is like, if the barrier to entry is too great, I'm just going to be like, Eh, screw it. I, I, I didn't want it that bad anyways. I'll copy and paste it. But for me, it was yeah. just so easy to get up and running doing that that I just did it in no time. 
got it up there and now this thing exists and uh if you'd like you can contribute to it and check it out it's on my github it's the react apollo snippet library and uh yeah i i just did it um you know pretty quickly so the chances are there's some things missing for it but i just added all the stuff i use all the time and if you have stuff you want to see in it please submit a pull request i'd be psyched nifty all right. I think that's enough questions for today. Thank you so much for sending those on in. If you've got another one, please make sure you push it into the listener questions. I like doing these every now and then. It's kind of fun to talk about these these smaller little topics. Yeah. Reminds this is me a of, really successful potluck. Everybody brought their luck. stuff. It reminds me of having beers at a conference where you're just kind of chit-chatting about uh, different topics that, that may come up. Yeah. But... Yeah. Let's uh, let's move on to some sick picks. Sick picks. You, I, I I'm really excited to hear more about your sick pick today after you teased it earlier. Yeah. Uh, so my sick pick is Eat That Frog, uh, which is a great name for a great book. And uh, I listened to the audiobook on this. I, I as I do for most things. It's by Brian Tracy, and it's basically a book about accomplishing your tasks. Stop. Oh, guys, the, the subtitle of the book is 21 Great Ways to Stop Procrastinating and Get More Done in Less Time. So thank you uh, for who, who submitted that question. Let me see. Um, Thank you, Critter, for, <laughs> for submitting that question. Uh, it goes along with Eat That Frog, I suppose. But uh, because you did a nice little lead into my sick pick here. This book is awesome. Uh, it's another one that you can breeze through, like getting things done. Uh, and it will have a profound impact. I had my, my wife, Courtney, and I both read it. I read it and I was immediately like, you got to read this. And then now we talk about this all the time. We talk about, hey, did you eat your frog today? Like, uh, it's it's funny because it's like actually become a point of conversation and it's become like a point of normalcy in my life. But I really, really like this method because before I had this method, again, I wasn't, uh, well, this combined with getting things done has just made my my workflow, my procrastination stuff totally out the door as long as I follow the stuff in this book. So I'm a huge, huge fan. Pick up the audiobook, listen to it, pick up the book if you like to read, but eat that frog exclamation. Wow. Gonna put this on my I have so many audible credits, so I'm putting this on my list of audible. Wicked. So my sick pick today is devdocs.io. Um a good and one. you remember um what was that like desktop app dash yes. that everybody had? Um, that was pretty nifty because you could just like download the docs to every single thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could have it as a desktop app. So um, I always like a, uh, the web developer I am. I like to to have things as a website if I can. Um, and devdocs.io is a website that lists docs for every single language and, and many of the different um many of the different things that you have. So Babel, Backbone, React, Bower. Uh, Bower is not much anymore. Drupal, WordPress, Ember. You get the point. So if you need documentation for anything, um, they pull them into this single website called devdocs.io. Now, um, this has been around forever, but what I recently discovered is that uh, I went on a flight and I needed the docs to um, Jest and Enzyme, and I needed all the JavaScript docs, right? So I needed those big three, and uh, I don't think that they had Enzyme. Yeah, might no, know. they don't have. They don't. They have. They have Jest. There's a pull request open for adding Enzyme docs to it, um, but it's a progressive web app, meaning that uh, it will store the docs offline, and if you just turn off your Wi-Fi, turn off the network requests, then it automatically 
uh, still works when you refresh the page and you're offline, which is exactly what you need when you're on an airplane. So check it out at devdocs.io. Yeah, I have used this so many times on airplanes. Uh, before It's like one of my pre-flight rituals is to head to DevDocs and make sure that I have everything saved for offline that I could potentially need. Because there's, there's nothing worse when you're like on a plane, you're like, God dang it, if I could only remember what this method was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually really love uh, this this website. So that's a I used pick. to have a... I used to have like an Alfred extension to directly search DevDocs, Ooh. and then it would pop it open directly. I don't have it right now. I, I, get I deleted a bunch of them. Gotta I'm gonna get, get it again though. Yeah, handy. Yeah, super handy. Cool. Wicked. Uh, what about uh, what do we call them? Shameless plugs. Shameless plugs. Uh, I'm gonna shameless plug uh, the uh, Level Up Tutorials Pro. Level Up. Pro, which is the subscription account uh, where you can get access to all of my tutorial series. It's becoming more and more valuable uh, than ever because uh, every single month there's a new premium tutorial series. This month's coming premium tutorial series I mentioned before is Modern WordPress, where we do all headless WordPress stuff. Uh, last series was Vue.js for everyone. So if you uh, got excited by us talking about Vue today, you can check out Vue.js for everyone and, and find out what the hype is about. I also have Pro Gatsby, which will teach you how to build static sites with Gatsby like a pro. Redux and React for everyone. Modern CSS layouts. Uh, level 2 React Native with GraphQL. We have React Native for everyone. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here. And every single month there's a new series. So a lot of value there. If you've never subscribed, you get access to all that stuff right away. Wicked. I'm just going to plug westboss.com forward slash courses has a list of everything I have. If you want to learn Node or React or uh, up your JavaScript skills in ES6, there's a bunch of free ones, CSS Grid, JavaScript 30. Check them all out. Um, I'm currently still working on my advanced React course. Um, there's been a lot of movement in the whole GraphQL space um, in the last couple of months. Um, around different libraries and whatnot. And uh, I'm sort of just, I'm still working on the application, but I'm, I'm making sure that everything is, is going to be settled down for at least a little while. Um, so it is taking a little longer than I had hoped, but I am totally fine with that because I know that it's going to be uh, fantastic. So uh, stay tuned for that. Probably in another month or so, I'll, I'll have that ready to to launch. Hey, Wes, I got a, I got a request here. Yeah. Can you... Stop making this show about the great West Boss, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody tweeted that the other day. They're like, <laughs> I, I had just like I had updated people on this React course. I'm like, so sorry, it's taking so long. And then somebody said, Can you stop making it about the great West Boss? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, something. I guess that's another point on the having a bit of an audience. You, you do get some wacky people coming out with some, some wacky people, some mean things to say. Someone's question here, too. What was the question about you? Oh, I say, I say something too frequently, and that was upsetting them. Uh, Love the podcast, but Scott, please stop saying and stuff like that. <laughs> I feel I hope I didn't say it this episode. If I said it this episode, I'm going to be disappointed in myself because I was actively trying to appease uh, here, so I, I was very. It was a very concerned effort to not say that. Um, but in the future, oh, who knows? That's who funny. Knows? I actually had some guy. Uh, I assume it was a guy send me a message <laughs> every single week that was just like a homophobic slur for some reason. Like I have no. It would be from some who knows email. I would just get, and it was obviously the same person because they weren't very creative. But it would just be like a one liner. Just be like, 
okay, like, thank you. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. you're sending me this. There's definitely some oddballs out there. I guess it comes with the comes with putting yourself out there. Yeah, for sure. So maybe we'll we'll talk about that because that that's another thing, which is like putting yourself up on YouTube. And like I daily post code that I write online for other people to judge. Yeah, uh, which is not always met with the best reactions. People have opinions on what's good and what's not. So. Uh, it it definitely it can be a little bit scary putting yourself out there, but definitely worth it. Yeah. Maybe we'll we'll have an episode like that dealing with criticism. Yeah, I think we should. There's a lot of stuff there, and uh, uh, I think we've both probably learned a lot of lessons over the course of the years here. Totally sick. Alrighty, well, thank That's you so it. much. Oh, we should mention uh, we need we never do this, but uh, we we are what this is episode like number forty two now of syntax. Yeah, uh, we have a ton of episodes. We have 42 episodes now, and we cover a lot of topics from GraphQL uh, to soft skills stuff. I mean, I can't even uh, jQuery, static site generator, site performance, uh, all sorts of stuff dealing with failure, lots of questions and answer show. So if you enjoy this show or you enjoyed any of the most recent shows, check out our back catalogs. We got a lot of good stuff. We get a lot of questions asking us for topics show topics that we've already done before. So check out our back catalog because there's a lot of good tasty treats there too. Uh, we need to make totally. like a, some sort of best of list. We'd be interested to know what your favorite episodes are so that we can compile some sort of like, here, come to Syntax and listen to these 10 episodes if you haven't ever listened to yeah, them before. Yeah, totally. So tweet us your your favorite episodes from the back catalog and we'll come up with a, a little list. Yeah, that'd be sick. Sick. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Peace. Well, that was a coordinated piece. Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show. <laughs>